from OETA, Oklahoma's home for public television. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Oklahoma News Report podcast. I'm Rich Lenz, OETA News Director and Anchor of the Oklahoma News Report, which airs Fridays at 7 o'clock and repeats Saturday at 5.30 and Sunday at 1.30. Each week in our show, we host a roundtable discussion called In-Depth, but often there's much more said than we have time for. Now that content and information is coming to you digitally as we bring our in-depth segment and others to Spotify and Apple Podcasts. This first week, to kick us off, we have two previously aired in-depth discussions and a new one from this week's show. The State Department of Education has released the results of statewide spring testing, and as expected, it confirmed the learning disruptions caused by the pandemic are profound. But were there some positives to take away from the results and what needs to be done to rebound and return to pre-pandemic learning success? While this conversation has aired on our show previously, this first in-depth podcast, recorded the first week of October, is an extended cut with new content from Susan Godot and her guests. Susan? Rich, thank you. This data is so important to Oklahoma, to the children, and, and to their future. And we have a great uh, panel to help us sort through all of this and tell us why. I'd like to introduce them to you now. First, we have Katherine Bishop, who is the president of the Oklahoma Education Association. Maria Kamak, who is the Deputy Superintendent of Assessments for Oklahoma State Department of Education. And we have Robbie Korth, who is the Education Reporter for our content partners at State Impact Oklahoma. Thank all of you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Well, Maria, I would like to start with you. What does our state testing data look like and why is it important for Oklahoma? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, obviously, a lot of people are asking that. Um, as what we can see at the state level is that scores and performance was impacted by the pandemic um, and the disruptions that kids and schools and communities faced over the last 18 months. And do, can you tell us how our children did compared to previous years, pre-COVID, pre-quarantine, pre-learning at home? Yeah, so that's, you know, I can say that across the different content areas, we have our math and our reading and our science scores, um, you know, scores decreased from previous years. But that is also a challenging question as we unpack these data, um, because participation and enrollment looks very different than it has in any other year. Um, so being able to make those um, state level comparisons on that trend is, is pretty challenging to be able to do. Catherine, I want to come to you quickly. What do you make of the data that's in, you know, the performance is lower? average about nine percent lower than previous years is that right you know the most important thing about the data that we have for this year is that we go back and we think to last year and we we ask our students and our educators to do one thing be vulnerable take the test see how we're doing give us a benchmark to have a place to go from and that's how we need to be looking at this data. We, it doesn't paint a full picture of what we know and, about our students' learning and how our schools are doing. Robbie, I'd like to ask you, what is your take on the data? I know you've been analyzing this, keeping a close look at what's been going on for teachers, for parents, and for those students out there. The challenges are huge, are they not? Yes, the challenges are tremendous. Um, we saw really the greatest disruption of education um, in a generation last year. And so I think it was, you know, it was kind of predictable that, that scores would be down. Um, but like the previous panelists said, uh, you know, it's, they are down, but we have to keep in mind um, 
about the the greater context of what happened. Uh, Maria, I want to ask you, were there any, what are the subject matter criteria, uh, what are the categories that the students are assessed on, and is there one area where students did better than others? That's a great question. So um, if you're familiar, uh, federal law, our Every Student Succeeds Act, requires that all states administer assessments for students in grades three through eight every year in math and reading, and then once in high school, and then science, um, we're required to assess it in grade bands. So in Oklahoma, we assess science in grades five, eight, and then grade 11. And grade 11 is where we assess, and we use the SAT and ACT, and then we also have a science assessment. Um, and so we're looking at students in all grades from grades three through eight and then 11. Um, we do see state level, um, you know, at the grade levels that students in grade three and four and five, and then as they go up, were, you know, maybe more impacted. Um, but there's a lot of caveats and considerations to make when we think about where students are performing. Um, as Robbie and Catherine both mentioned, uh, this is one piece of information that does not tell the whole story of how schools and students are doing. Um, so we're really encouraging schools to use other data, local data, um, because more real-time information about um, maybe the impact that COVID and the pandemic has had on individual families or individual schools or grade levels. Um, the variables are and the volatility is all over the place. Um, so what we're trying to do is really think about these um, grade levels and content areas at the local level and where supports might need to be um, at that level. That level. So if you look at impact, uh, reasons for the drop uh, in reading, math, science, um, you're looking outside of just the classroom, but really kids weren't in the classroom. Uh, Catherine, I'd like to come to you. How, how do teachers overcome that? Is this something that can be fixed in a year once you get those children back in the classroom, which, which they are now, uh, or is it going to take a long time? Yeah, the, the data shows the heavy toll that the pandemic had not only on our students, but the way that they learned last year. And I, and I continually say, we had school. How school looked was so different and it was different across the state. Uh, we had in-person, we had virtual learning, we had blended learning. We had, um, at one point in time in November, the majority of our districts all went virtual because the um, infection rate was so high. So we have to look at that, but here's the really important piece is our educators are daily doing formative assessments, check-in, check-outs, um, assessing their knowledge, looking at how did that lesson go? What do we need to do differently? What strategies do we need to implement? Or where are the gaps that a student may have and how do I need to reteach that? That's happening on a daily basis. And one of the points is our state assessment gives a snapshot. It gives, it's a summative assessment. It gives a snapshot so we can make an inference on how our students are progressing towards those grade level standards. And that's how we need to be looking every year at our state assessment. What's happening in our classroom with our formative and interim assessments, those are where the real-time data is at. And, and, and educators are making minute-to-minute -minute changes in their instruction um, using that data as well. Probably it's kind of like a trauma unit, an educational trauma unit in those classrooms right now, <laughs> with, with the teachers having to figure out what to do next to help, help, help uh, bring those numbers back up. And I don't know, Robbie, do you think we should be so focused on the numbers or focused on the children in the classrooms and getting them back to a sense of normalcy? What do you see from what kids and parents went through a year ago to now? 
Yeah, I think definitely the focus needs to be on the children and that's been reflected by teachers and students across the state. Um, right as te the tests were actually happening in the spring, I went to Calumet Elementary School, a, uh, a school that had been a C school in you know, recent history, but had worked its way up to an A school because of its performance on, on these tests and other measures. Um, so, you know, and it, it had been an A school for the last several years, but I talked to the principal there and she said, we absolutely do not want to be graded this year. We don't think that, you know, how we've been graded in the past and how we've been measured as an A school in the past will necessarily translate to the experience we had this year. We don't think we'll be an A school, but we do know, you know, where kids are struggling. We do know what's going on with kids here in Calumet and, we can help them get better so that, you know, maybe we can be an A school in the future, um, but right now we're just going to take the test. We know where kids are and we're going to move forward. Maria, I know the numbers just came out, but do you have an ability to see uh, how others, how Oklahoma did as far as, you know, losing ground compared to other states? Did we not lose as much ground as other states or, or more? What have you seen so far? So the really only assessment that we have that kind of crosses state lines like that is the National Assessment for Education Progress, our NAEP assessment um, that's given every other year in grades four and eight and sometimes in grades 12. The, the great news is um, in 2017, when we reset our assessment program, we had these more college and career readiness um, state standards, our academic standards, and then we had assessments that were aligned to these, these expectations. So the um, complexity that these standards are asking for is um, reflected in these assessments. So these assessments, their performance expectations are, um, are pretty um, aligned with the national expectation. So we can't necessarily look and um, compare state lines to other assessments, but the expectation on our, the national assessment for education and progress that I mentioned, um, our expectations are um, very, very closely aligned with that. So this is a moving target right now for the State Department of Education, is it not? I mean, the numbers just come in. You guys don't instantly know what to do. Um, do you, so I'm, I'm going to put a question to you. You may not have the answer to, but do you look at, okay, I'm going to see how much growth. We're going to see how much growth Oklahoma uh, classrooms and students have a year from now. Is the pressure on teachers now to make up ground this year? So I think that there's a couple of things um, and that Robbie pointed this out just a minute ago is that we are not having an accountability system our A through F letter grades. We will not have report cards this year for just that reason as Robbie pointed out. Last December, the state, um, the state Board of Education disentangled assessment from accountability and we asked the US Department of Education for a waiver for these, um, these annual meaningful differentiation where we have our report cards. And we received that waiver um, because we knew it was important to get this information um, so we could understand the, the impact that the pandemic has had. Um, but we were not in a place to evaluate schools or really draw inferences at this point. Right now, we are trying to describe the learning conditions across the state because that, um, you know, each community, as Catherine mentioned, all experienced something different or slightly different. Districts and schools, nothing was uniform. Um, kids went in and out of the class, even within one classroom teachers face disruptions between students being in and out. Um, so their lesson plans, they had to be able to, you know, any given um, objective for the day might've had to be administered in six different ways because of the learning conditions. Mm -hmm. So we are really um, looking forward to be able to use this information um, to collaborate with schools and districts to find um, best practices moving forward. And then progress monitor, as to your point, moving forward on this next year as we lead to 2022. 
Right. Uh, Catherine, do you, do you agree with that? First of all, do you agree what, with, with what was just said? And second of all, do these numbers start to give teachers a roadmap as to how to proceed in the future? Maria described it perfectly. This is just, there, there can't be comparability right now. We should not even be looking at how one site scored and another site within that same district because this was a unique situation. Let's take the test, let's get a snapshot, let's have a baseline and let's go forward. And um, teachers always put pressure on themselves. We always put pressure on ourselves uh, when it comes to state testing because um, whether you like it or not, you're evaluating your own abilities as an educator, how your students do on the test. What this test does not show is the incredible efforts our educators, our teachers, our support professionals, our administrators have been doing for the last year and a half. This test doesn't show the millions of meals that were fed to kids. They do not show the resources that we got out to our communities to help with mental health supports. It doesn't show the extra effort that the community in itself did to support our education system. So it is a snapshot. And we need to continue to look at it in that respective and to make sure that we're not over-focusing on these scores. We use them, we learn from them, we go forward. Robbie, we're getting close to, to, to our time, but I want to ask you quickly, have you been hearing from parents throughout all this and even now? How are they feeling now? Are they feeling better? Are they worried? What do you hear? Uh, yeah, I mean, I talk to parents students, teachers, administrators all across the board. And I think this fall, there has been um, a certain level of uncertainty about, you know, what what is school going to look like from now on? Last year, we kind of expected things to be different, right? Um, and we didn't, you know, because of the vaccine and, and how things were trending over the summer, I think a lot of us thought that, hey, we're, we're headed toward normalcy here. Um, that hasn't been the case. More than 60 districts have pivoted to distance learning or closed um, so far this fall. Uh, it, it appears that closures are becoming a little bit more rare, but you know who knows if they'll if there's a new variant, if they'll pick back up. Um, there's just a lot of questioning, a lot of of nerves around school. Um, so it's really difficult to say, and and teachers and and students and parents. Um, just don't know what school is going to be like and school has traditionally been this you know hey we're going to we're going to school on the first day we're going every single day five days a week you know for a year and we just don't know if what that's going to be like there's so much we could talk about and and, and i have i have your answers have spurred more questions for me but i just don't have the time darn it but i do want to end on a note of what can parents do who are concerned about their kiddos. Is there anything they can do extra right now to help their children get to where they need to be in the education arena? I think the most, th most important thing for parents to be doing right now is sitting down with their, with their child's teacher, problem solving with them, looking at the data that the teacher has and be there to communicate and support uh, work as a team together, uh, not only for their academic needs, but their social emotional well-being as well. And it's going to take all of us working together 
and, and working with our educators to help make our students be successful. Do all states have their own testing criteria and levels and why is that? Wouldn't we wanna compare and see how our children are doing compared to Kansas or Arkansas or Texas um, uh, so we can see how everyone's measuring up? So there's a few different things that we can think about. Like I mentioned before, with the National Assessment of Education Progress, we have that common measuring stick across states. We also have things like the ACT or the SAT or the PSAT or the pre-ACT that we can look at for high schools. Um, the challenge with the state assessments is that they're unique to individual states because they have to be aligned to the content standards. So when we have our um, new academic standards for math or our English language arts or our science, these assessments have to align to that because we're assessing the criterion um, um, respective to the criterion measure of the academic standards. Did the new assessments, when were they enacted? Under the Every Student Succeeds Act, you know, with 2015, our new standards were 2016, the College of Readiness, where they were adopted, and then in 2017 was the first assessment of this new program. Do you think that had an impact on students? And then this, this, this uh, quarantine comes out of nowhere, basically, and, and surprises everyone. That may not be a, let's just scratch that. Yeah, I think that's an interesting question, Susan. And I, you know, I'm looking at Maria. It, we had just started rocking and rolling with our new standards, our new assessment. We were finally getting some data, and then boom, the pandemic happened. That's good. Just, like we had in our accountability system had just finally targeted our, our determined our schools that needed comprehensive supports in 2000 what was it fall of 2019 and then the pandemic happened yeah, yeah so absolutely. Have i think that's have like a reset and that and that's the challenge and i to robbie's point about um with the accountability system and 